Welcome to the Amanda Rollard Show, where we work together to support abundant living in all areas of your life, body, mind, family, finances, and community. Come join us and get your salt back. Welcome, everybody, to the Amanda Rollert Show, where we talk a little salt every week. We strive to support abundant living every single day in all areas of our life. We hope to reinstill passion, purpose in our minds, our bodies, our families, our communities, and our finances. And you know what? Sometimes we struggle. We struggle because the world is coming at us 90 miles an hour. And so many times we have to make so many decisions in a day. We have to make so many decisions in a week and in a month. It's hard enough making decisions for yourself, but when you have to make decisions that impact somebody else, your spouse, your children, your job, your colleagues, your bosses, whatever it is, it's so difficult. So today we're going to talk about what is it that you stand for? Know what you stand for. And there's a seven point checklist that I'm going to share. So stick around and we're going to see uh, seven different ways that we can check ourselves to know what we stand for. Welcome, everybody, for another week of the Amanda Rollert Show, where we talk salt. And this week, I was thinking, there's so many things that we have to make decisions about in our everyday lives that we're either moving forward, we're regressing, but nothing stays the same. And we need to check ourselves because you know what the old saying is, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And that's so true. It is so very true. If we don't know who we are. We are liable to get sidetracked. We're liable to be, you know, led to the slaughter like sheep to the slaughter. If you've heard that saying before, you know, if you're just kind of like humdrum going through life and everybody says, turn right, and you turn right because everybody else is turning right. I don't know. Should you have turned left? Should you have gone straight? Should you have turned around? We have to go through this world with our eyes wide open. We have to know to our core who we are because who we are ultimately determines the decisions we make. And right or wrong, good or bad, there are consequences with every one of our decisions. And so as I was thinking about today's episode, I was really, really thinking about what is it that makes a person who they are? And if we were going to check in on ourselves to see who we are, there were seven things that I thought, you know what, let's gauge who we are in each of these seven areas. Because if we don't know who we are, we could easily fall into the trap of following the crowd. We could easily fall into the trap of complacency. We could easily fall into the trap of indifference. We could easily fall into the trap of average and nobody listening to this podcast is any of those things. We are God's children and we have been given gifts and talents and treasures that we need to cultivate, that we need to develop, that we need to inspire and motivate within ourselves. So 
let's get right to it. The first item on the seven-point checklist is integrity. Hmm. Where are you and I on the integrity spectrum? And I think for us to kind of move forward, we need to kind of agree on what are we saying when we're talking about integrity? I think it's honesty at all times and in all places. And it's what do you do when no one is looking? Integrity. Integrity means doing what is right. Integrity means whatever you did do, let the consequences follow. No exceptions. So how how do you and I measure up against integrity? I can tell you from me as a little kid, I may have shared this story in one of my other podcasts. I don't know, but I remember when I was five years old, my parents were building the house that they still are in to this day that I grew up in. You know, when you're building a house and you're a five-year-old kid, it is the coolest place to be because there's, you know, first of all, there's just foundation. There's just cement. And then there's all these studs. And then it's a wonderful place to run and hide. And there's just all kinds of cool things. At least I thought so when my parents were building this house. And then all of a sudden the house had walls and all of a sudden the house had doors. But, you know, you could go swing in and out of them. And, you know, you know when you're building, you can go in and out for many, many, many weeks at a time. And that was the routine is that we would go in the evenings and my parents would be cleaning up, checking out, making sure that this was done right. And that was done right. And my older sister, Tammy and I, we would have full run of the whole place. We would, we could just play and do whatever the heck we wanted to do. And I loved it. I loved it. Well, I don't know what got into my head, but one evening my parents were off cleaning up and I don't know where my older sister was, But I do not know what came over me, still don't to this day, but I thought, I just want to write, I love you. I I just learned how to write it. I just want to write, I love you. So I grabbed a pen and I carved, I love you, (laughs) on the wooden door that went from the kitchen out to the outside in the backyard. I carved it in there very deep, you know, as much as a five-year-old could, but I I made sure it said, I, space, love, space, you. And I thought it was lovely. I thought it was beautiful because that was in my heart. Well, my parents found it and they called me and my sister into the room, into the game room, which was going to be the game room. And we were standing there. I remember mom, mom and dad, my older sister, Tammy and I were standing there and they're like, uh, girls, we just have a question and we just need the truth. Somebody took a pen and wrote, I love you on one of the doors. We just want to know who it was. And my older sister, Tammy, was like, I didn't do it. And she did it. And I just remember when they said it, I had a very tender conscience, still do. But I remember when they said it, I just sunk. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a spanking. I'm going to get a whooping. And I'm like, I didn't want a whooping. I just wrote, I love you on the door. And so knee-jerk reaction, I didn't do it. My parents were like, well, who, who did it? I don't know. It wasn't me. My sister was like, I didn't do it. And I could have, I guess, won an Emmy because my performance was stellar. And they, I mean, this went on for probably 15, 20 minutes. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Nope, nope, nope. And uh, my parents finally said, look, we don't care who did it. Nobody's going to get a spanking. As soon as they said the words, nobody is going to get a spanking. I said, I did it. <laughs> And I think about that now as I'm thinking about integrity. Actions have consequences and our integrity should 
you know, support us to let the consequences follow, good or bad. I remember that distinctive situation that happened to me when I was growing up and I did not make the right decision that time around. Yes, I did eventually, but I had to find out that I wasn't going to get a spanking first. Well, I remember also when I was I was in high school, don't remember what grade I was in high school. I think it was junior, senior or something. I remember I had gone over to a friend's house. She was grounded. It was her birthday. And I had made a decision that ended up causing harm, not terrible, terrible harm, but causing harm to, and I didn't even know it at the time. But so my parents had some really, really, really good friends and they had uh, children, you know, our ages or, or around our ages. And we always were you know, hanging out together. Well, a silly decision that I made, really a dumb decision that I made when I was there and I had left, I'd gone home, didn't even realize that that something that I had done, it caused harm to one of my parents' friends' children. And I didn't even know it happened until later on I learned and my heart sank. And I thought, what in the world was I, you know, a careless error that I made caused harm to somebody. And I remember in that moment, I'm like, I have to talk to the parents. They didn't know that it was a, it was a decision I had made that caused harm to their child. And I remember asking to speak to them. I remember telling my mom and my dad, and I told him I wanted to talk to them, you know, my mom and my dad, but then I also told him I wanted to talk to their friends to let them know it was my careless mistake. And um, that was the hardest thing I'd ever done, I think, at that point, because again, I still to this day have a tender conscience, but knowing that I could have done something that hurt somebody hurt me very much. And I remember sitting there in front of my parents' friends and telling them, you didn't know this, but, and I didn't know it either. But when I found out, I needed to tell you that it was my careless error that caused harm. And I remember how gracious my parents' friends were and how, how much they, they hugged me and told me, it's okay. Just thank you that they didn't, would have never expected somebody to come and tell them and apologize. And I remember just thinking in that moment, you know how when you do something and you know there was something wasn't right or you, you made a decision that was wrong and it hurt somebody, you just want that horrible feeling to leave you because you just want that weight of whatever you want to call it, if you want to call it guilt or, oh my gosh, this was my fault. I remember feeling how good I felt when they hugged me and they said that it was all okay. Everything was going to be okay. And I remember thinking, thank you. I, I will never forget this feeling of mercy. I will never forget this feeling of forgiveness. And that has made an impact on me, you know, still to this day. But I think about the centralizing focus here is the first checkpoint was integrity. Where do you stand? What is your integrity? What do you do when no one's watching? Are you honest in all, at all times? And in all things, no matter the consequences. I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves every day. Where do I stand in integrity? Does my integrity walk before me in everything that I do? And I hope that we can always answer yes, it does. But that's number one. If you know who you are in integrity. All right. Number two on our seven point checklist is respect. You know, we are no better and no worse than anybody. And we must show respect to everyone, everywhere, without exception. We should smile when we greet people. 
And just remember that we are really no better or no worse. We're human beings. God made us all, and we need to learn to appreciate each other. We need to try to help others. We should hold each other to a high level of accountability, but we should respect each other. We should respect everyone everywhere. Now, I'm not saying we're always going to get that same in return. I'm not saying that there's going to be reciprocity because not everybody comes to this world thinking the same thing. There are going to be differences of opinion. That's what makes the world go round. But respecting others doesn't mean you have to agree with them. You just acknowledge that somebody else may see the world differently. And as long as somebody's not trying to force their opinions on you, we all have freedom of speech. And until we don't, we have the right to exercise our freedoms of speech with respect in a respectful manner. So I would say on the number two checklist, where do you line up with respecting others? Where do you line up with respecting yourself? I believe that you have to respect yourself before you can respect others. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard when we've had things happen in our life that sometimes we want to beat ourselves up about. But I think we have to learn to respect ourselves. And then we can respect others. All right. The third point on our seven-point checklist. I think it's work ethic. What kind of a work ethic do you and I have? There's a statement that means a lot to me. And I've heard it multiple times. You may have heard it too, but I think it's very appropriate when we're talking about work ethic. And that statement is how you do anything is how you do most everything. Let me say that again. How you do anything is how you do most everything. I think we are always in alignment with who we truly are inside. And if we hold ourselves to a high work ethic, what moves us? Are we intrinsically motivated? Do we set boundaries? Do we do we draw lines and we say, I'll never cross this line. This is who I am here. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. My integrity first, my respect for my position and my work ethic is such that it's so important to me to do good work and to do good work every day. How do you handle your job? How do you handle your studies? How do you handle interactions with colleagues? When everybody else is on their phones, you know, on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, are you still working because you're on the clock? When clock in and clock out, you know, maybe you have to clock in and clock out with work. Are you clocking in when you're still squealing, you know, rolling, your, your tires are still rolling in the parking lot? Are you clocking in because you have an app on your phone that can do that? And are you clocking out when you're, you've jumped in the car and you're halfway to the stop sign? Somebody might say, ah, that's just a little change. No, it's who you are. It goes back to that integrity. It goes back to what's there. Are you working? When you're on the job, are you working? How is it? Are you giving 100% in everything that you do? Because how you do anything is how you do most everything. And that work ethic comes alive not only on the job, but work ethic comes alive if you're cleaning the house. You know, when I'm scrubbing the toilet, it's not fun. I didn't dirty all the toilets in my house. But is my work ethic 
going to let me slippery slide and say, oh, this one doesn't really matter. No, they all matter. If I'm cleaning the baseboards because they're dusty and I'm like, oh, I really don't want to reach back in that corner. It's good enough. Or maybe I don't want to get the dust off the ceiling fan. Nobody's going to really see it. You know it's there. If you could study an extra 30 minutes or an extra hour for that exam, or you could check out, go party, which one of those decisions is going to get you farther down the road of life? Work ethic is everything because you know that you won't ever let, once you're solid in your work ethic, you just won't let things slide. And I promise you, if your work ethic is strong, it doesn't matter if you're at work. <laughs> you will apply work ethic to your marriage, to your relationships, to with your children, to your with your spouse. You will apply work ethic to a hobby. So I ask us all to, to check ourselves on where we are on work ethic. All right, let's move to number four, attitude. There is a great quote from my favorite coach of all time and I love this man. He doesn't even know I exist, but I love Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz coached the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, and he wrote a book called Winning Every Day. And in that book, he said, attitude determines altitude. So basically, my attitude determines how high I'll go. I get to decide every day what my attitude's going to be. And I'm saying I'm not perfect. Sometimes I wake up with a crummy attitude, but I have to check that attitude and say, no, I got stinking thinking. I better change my thinking. I've got to change my attitude. I've got to have gratitude will help change your attitude. And I'll tell you a story, kind of a recent one for me. My cup is always half full. My cup is never half empty. I'm an optimist. I'm always thinking of the good, seeing the good, striving for the good, no matter what. And I actually gone through in the process of kind of going through some, I'll say some challenges. I'm trying to understand, you know, things going on in my body at my age and, you know, trying to, you know, stay healthy, make some changes and so forth. And I was seeking some uh, help from a, you know, a health coach. There was a little survey that you have to fill out every month and you know, I've been doing this for eight months or so. And you kind of say, what are the symptoms? What are you feeling You know, this month? Yada, yada, yada. And one of the last 10 questions or so of the survey is, how is your overall health? You know, Excellent, good, average, poor, whatever. And then it asks other questions. I, I, I always check excellent or good. Excellent, excellent. You know, how's your mental state? How's your relaxation? How's your ability to have so a social life? And I, all of those, I always check excellent. And I had somebody ask me one day, it's like, you're going to a health coach because you have some concerns, you have some issues you're trying to work through, but you always say you're excellent in health. And I was like, dadgum right, because that's my attitude. I am. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm grateful because I know all of that. I have to envision it. I have to see it because I know that's where I'm going. I'm not going to wallow and say, oh, this hurts. Oh, that's worse. Oh, you know, it may be a tiny impasse that I'm trying to get through, but I have great health. I am healthy. I am happy. And so that's attitude. We get to decide every day what our attitude is. And I always want mine to determine my altitude. Thank you, Lou Holtz. All right. Number five, dependability, being dependable. How dependable are you? How dependable am I? What does your word mean? Does your word mean anything? I'll tell you another story. Brookie Poo and Chelsea Poo, we were doing some work together and we actually had a, we needed a videographer 
we hired one and basically he came with a great recommendation and of somebody for that we really respected. He did his thing and he said, Hey, I'm going to get this to you within, you know, short amount of time. And you can be guaranteed that it's going to cover, you know, we, we had some parameters that we were wanting the, the videos to, to kind of show. And we waited a week went by, two weeks went by and actually Brooke Perky Poo was the one that had reached out and was like, Hey, you know, just checking in. Oh yeah. I'm going to get that to you. I'll, I'll be I'm finishing up. It's going to be right there. Another week other two. And, you know, you could tell we were all kind of like, okay, this person has said they're going to get it to us in the next day, in the next day, in the next day. And it never came. It never came. It never came. And finally, I have to give a little, some props to Bricky Poo because she was kind of the one that kind of set everything up. And she just said, we've kind of lost trust. And I think I need to share how we're feeling. And so she reached out, you know, again and said, I'm, you know, this, we've, we've reached out, we've reached out. You said it's coming. It's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it'll be there in the morning. Again, it wasn't there. It wasn't there. And then maybe a week or so later, there was an email like at 2 a.m. that Brooke found the next morning said, you know, hey, I'm finishing it up. And there it was. And the product was such poor quality. We could not believe it. We could not believe the quality that we paid for. And we paid good money for this, you know, video. We had to ask ourselves, this person gave their word multiple times to Brooke, to all of us at the beginning of the project, but multiple times that they will get it, they will get it, they will get it. And when you constantly do that and you fail to produce and you constantly say it, well, I'm going to, yeah, oh yeah, it's coming tomorrow and it doesn't come. And then you see the product when it does come and it was poor quality product. I asked myself, what does your word mean? That person's word doesn't mean anything. And I thought, how sad, because if this person is trying to build a business with that type of dependability or non-dependability, non-work ethic, all those things, it just came coming back. I thought, wow, so dependable. Are you dependable? Am I dependable? Does my word mean anything? If I say, do I do what I say and say what I do? Okay, so we're on number six, but let's go back through these really quick. So number one integrity. Number two, respect. Number three, work ethic. Number four, attitude. Number five, dependability. Number six, do you have a growth mindset or how do you play out on growth? Are you open to feedback? Do you have goals? Are you achieving them? Are you holding yourself accountable? Do you have others hold you accountable? Are you helping others achieve their goals? Maybe for your company, your job, at your home? Are you trying to grow every day? Are you trying to learn something new every day? Because remember, if you are not progressing, you are regressing because nothing stays the same. I try to keep my antenna up so I am learning something new every day become I'm a sponge. I listen, I absorb. I learn something, I retain something, I memorize something. I just think it keeps us well-rounded and well-grounded. And last but not least, number 7 on the 7 point checklist for standing for something or your fall for anything is will you go the extra mile? You know, I heard something oh many many years ago when I was younger, when I heard it, I didn't, I didn't understand it, but it was the road is not crowded on the extra mile. And I'm like, I don't know what that means as a kid. 
I know what it means now. People rarely do more than what is required of them nowadays. It's sad. It's sad. You don't see people going the extra mile. There are people that go the extra mile, and I want to be one of them. I hope you do too. And that's what that quote means. It's never crowded on the extra mile because people rarely do more than what is required nowadays. I think that quote was taken from the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter five, when you know Jesus says, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Ooh, if I knew like, hey, yeah, I have to run a mile. And then I say, no, no, you have to run too. Ooh, that's a whole different can of worms, right? But basically what, what the extra mile is, is surpass expectation. What is expectation? Surpass it. Do more. Volunteer for extra duties. Maybe help your workmates. Maybe help your colleagues, your teammates with projects. Ask if you, is there anything else you can do? Maybe going the extra mile means avoiding unnecessary conflicts. Maybe going the extra mile means finding something positive to say every day. Maybe going the extra mile is, you know, a salesman taking an extra time and care with a salesperson in their store or checking out in the line just to help somebody make the right decisions. Maybe going the extra mile as a teacher, taking extra time to help her students who are struggling. Maybe going the extra mile is hotel staff smiling and making your check-in, your check-out, and your stay extra pleasant and enjoyable. Maybe going the extra mile is a doctor taking the time to listen, ask questions, not try to usher you in and usher you out. Going the extra mile is something that I think we're all asked to do. How can we be of help to somebody else? Because you know what? When we go the extra mile, we're really helping ourselves too. There is a song that I thought was appropriate. A lot of times try to leave a song. Aaron Tippin sang a song that said, you've got to stand for something. And basically the lyrics will go on to say, or you'll fall for anything. You don't want to be a puppet on a string. And it's true. If you don't stand for something, you will be a puppet on a string because you're going to get pulled around. You're going to be told how you feel. You're going to be told who you are. You're going to be told how to act. You're going to be told what to do. You're going to be told how to respond. You're going to be told what the world says is right, not what you know to be right. If you open your eyes and you see the world, you listen, you hear, you feel, you think, you will know what you stand for. And if you know what you stand for, you will not fall for anything. Because if you know what you stand for, nobody can tell you the sky is purple when you know that it's blue. Nobody can tell you which way is right because you know which way is wrong. And so I thought, you know what? This was just a quick seven-point checklist for each of us to check in on. You know what? I need to know what I stand for because I don't want to fall for anything. Decisions, friends, are coming at us every day, a mile a minute. We make so many decisions in a day that if we don't know who we are to the core, we could get led astray when we didn't even want to. So I'm wondering where you guys are on the seven-point checklist. It was really good for me to reflect and kind of think things through too and kind of take a walk down some memory lanes, remember some things that I've been fond of, maybe I wasn't so proud of myself on, but I think we can all find ourselves doing something, understanding, growing, learning, improving, which is what we're all called to do. So I hope 
that you found yourself somewhere in this seven-point checklist. And I hope you'll share it with a friend. I hope you'll tag us on Instagram. And I hope that you sincerely have the very best week possible. And I hope you'll come back and see us next week for another episode of The Amanda Rollert Show, where we talk salt and we support abundant living today in all that we do. Thanks, everybody, for joining in. Come see us next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Amanda Rollard Show, a podcast to get your salt back. Share this episode with a friend and tag us on Instagram. See you next time.